back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. After a week off last week, we are back better than ever and with a brand new co-host joining the Through the Banner podcast for the first time, Brandon Riley. Bia, how are you, mate? It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, Casper, g'day, mate. G'day, listeners. And uh, no, I'm very excited to be on here because uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a little bit now. and. Uh, I've been keen to get on and uh, you've been tracking me down for a little bit and uh, finally, finally found myself a, a week where I can get on. So I'm very excited. No, thanks for having me. Now, just a bit about BR, just before we get started, BR works for Parks Victoria as a project firefighter. Uh, he is now the president of Cricket Shepparton. Congratulations. Um, in his spare time, he volunteers for the CFA at various different uh, brigades doing various roles. Uh, also love fishing and boating, as well as the St Kilda Football Club. And I've got to say, mate, the Saints got to be got to be giving you a lot of happiness this season. Oh, mate, round one we kicked it off against the Pies, and uh, we served up a usual St Kilda performance. And I thought, oh no, here we go again. Thought I was in for a uh, very long season, but no, we uh, we've been ticking along very nicely, and. Uh, uh, once we won on the weekend, I was quite happy to say, Cass, I think the lid is off. We're playing finals. I'm very excited. Ooh, very he excited. Said, he has said the F word. Well, before we will, we will discuss St Kilda later. Basically, dear listener, in case you don't know, in case this is your first episode, listening in, first off, welcome. Secondly, we've got three different sections. Section one, we'll discuss the highlights and lowlights of the weekend just gone because there was no episode last week. We'll stretch it over rounds 10, uh, sorry, rounds nine and 10. And then we'll discuss our top two lowlights. Second section, we'll talk about some of the biggest talking points in the game at the moment before section three, diving into round 11 tips. And let's start off with top two highlights. And for me, uh, it's got to be the celebration of Indigenous culture and contributions to the game. Everything from the pre-match ceremonies to the amazing Indigenous jumpers that every single club always does really, really well in and have done for every single uh, every year since, what, about 2014, 2015, I think they started doing that. It's a great tradition, and I'm really, really glad that it's continuing and it's blossoming into something just absolutely remarkable. Um, the jumpers look as amazing as they always do, not to mention... The uh, the Melbourne Football Club, or should I say the Nam Football Club over this weekend, a great nod to the Indigenous culture and history of the uh, of the Melbourne area. That's my number one highlight. Number two, it's got to be the St Kilda Saints. At about halftime of the Geelong game, I tipped Geelong to win by three goals, truth be told, yeah. And I thought that, okay, it's been a good performance from St Kilda, but Geelong normally play four full quarters of football and I just I just don't know whether or not the Saints have it in them and then they turned in their best three uh, three quarter the best quarter performance I think I've ever seen St Kilda uh, put in not since the days of Ross Lyon and Nick Freewalt and Lenny Hayes and Lee Montagna has the Saints looked that damaging in a quarter they were unstoppable now it's one thing to do it against Gold Coast one thing to do it against an inconsistent Richmond but to do it against a top four contender in Geelong is, I think, proof that the Saints are a top four contender this year. You've said finals, BR. I'm saying top four. 
potentially even top two this year, St. Kilda, if the cards fall their way. What about you? What were your top two highlights over the last two weekends? You're making me excited, Caspi. You're making me excited. Very excited <laughs> that you're talking about the Saints in the top two. I'm a bit more modest on uh, top two. I, I think uh, I think Melbourne and Brisbane are gonna gonna hold around there, and I think we'll find a few challenges in um, in, in the Swans and uh, you know sort of Carlton and the Saints. And I think uh, I think there's gonna be a couple of little challenges there. But I, I'm not ruling out top four. Um, you know, we've obviously you know we've got North coming up this weekend, but we'll, we'll come back to that. But uh, yeah, very. Very excited to see uh, how far we can go uh, this September if we play four full quarters of footy. Uh, but otherwise, for me, Casper, but my top two highlights over the last couple of weeks, uh, I actually, yeah, it's a bit hard. I'd love to say uh, Cal Wilkie, uh, number one, a secure defender, week in and week out. He is uh, putting away, you know, key forwards for, for different clubs. And I think if you have a look back, Casper, he's only had uh, one multiple goal kicker on him this season. That was Robbie Gray up there in Cairns. Only bike to kick two on him. So um, when uh, Kel Wilkie in, empties his pockets at the end of the night, he'll uh, he'll dish out his phone and wallet and uh, whoever was playing on this week. So uh, very <laughs> underrated and uh, finally starting to get his name mentioned uh, around the traps. Uh, otherwise, for, for me, Casper, I know they lost on the weekend, but uh, I actually rate the Gold Coast Suns. And mm. uh, I don't think they get spoken about enough. And uh, for me, Gold Coast Suns have played really, really well, like exceptional football over the last three weeks. And uh, look, they've had a couple of wins and I'm very actually disappointed. Um, and, and I'll bring that up shortly. Um, but he, uh, just the way the media is talking about them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think to me, Gold Coast, absolute credit. They are flying along under the radar. There's plenty of big things building up there, up north on the sunny coast of uh, Queensland there. It's uh, looking good up there for Gold Coast. Queensland football is absolutely flying at the moment, BR. But as you know, for every highlight, there is a low light. What were your top two lowlights over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go number one for me, Casper. Uh, and, and touching on the Gold Coast still, it's the media talk around Stewie Jew's job. But that absolutely gives me the irrit because uh, you've got a man in form up there on the Gold Coast. They've knocked off Sydney. They've knocked off Freo. We're talking two teams that are you know, well entrenched in the top you know, four or five. And... Um, you know, we're sitting there going, you know, Stewie Jew's knocked off a couple of contenders and they're still talking about Clark how to replace him. So to the media, nick off. Like, where are we? Give it away. He's doing a great job up there, Stewie Jew. And the other one for me, Casper, the, the young bloke from Freo giving the old chicken wing on the weekend. That's, uh, that's not on. Uh, not, since, uh, not since Chris Judd. Uh, 2011, I think. Don't quote me on that. It was 2011, 2012 even. Uh, have we, 2012, have we seen a chicken wing? And uh, that's not... Not in the game for me. And I haven't seen chicken wings like that since I had a big meal up in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago, Cass. <laughs> well, mate, no, I, fair call, fair call, especially on the uh, on the chicken wing tackle there. Um, yeah, look, the Alistair Clarkson talk, unfortunately, not going to go away. And that's, that's, what, um, that's, what no. happens. that's what happens when you have someone available like Alistair Clarkson. Um, I don't know what Stuart Dew has to do to, to, to kind of keep the wolves at bay, maybe make finals you know, but there's part of me that thinks that he could win the premiership this season and there'll still be people talking about Alistair Clarkson replacing him next year. Um, Correct. It's a fair point. Fair point you make. Um, my number one low light is, uh, is also uh, related to Fremantle, but it's the entire team. Uh, they were flying. I think they won about six games in a row after losing to you guys in round two um, and dominating yeah. most, of the, uh, most of the teams that they played. 
um, had a monumental win in Geelong. And unlike last year, back end of last year, they used, they had like monumental win followed by crushing loss, monumental win followed by crushing loss. And they actually managed to back up the win against Geelong with a big win in round eight. And you thought this is a team that is legit, potentially a top three or four team in the competition come the end of the year. They faced a hoodoo. Apparently, I didn't know this stat before the uh, before the game was played, but the last time that Fremantle beat the Gold Coast on the Gold Coast was 2015. They managed to beat Geelong in Geelong for the first time since 2015. They had a bad loss to Gold Coast, and you thought, okay, it's just a one-off, right? Gold Coast played very well. Everyone's allowed a bad game. They're playing at home against a team that is also struggling in Collingwood. They should win and win convincingly. And then to get smacked the way they did. It wasn't like they've been losing by narrow margins Fremantle the last two weeks. They have been crushed. And you just wonder if the wheels on the Fremantle train are just starting to fall off a little bit. They've been up for a long time. They're still a really young team. And you just wonder, I just wonder if they're just starting to taper off a little bit. And if so, that is really alarming considering it's only round 11 and there's still 12 weeks to go after this. Hopefully for Fremantle fans, it's just a little blip on the radar, but the last two weeks could not have gone any worse for the Dockers. And then on to Essendon. Uh, as my number two low light, probably should have been my first low light, truth be told. Uh, great win against Hawthorne in round eight. Coming up against the struggling Swans at the SCG. Um, normally play the Swans really close. Great opportunity to make a statement. And instead, they have 30 tackles for a game of football. That's yeah, not good reckon, enough, is it? I reckon I had more tackles in a game of football when I played Ozkick as a little tacker than the Bombers did for the entire game on that Saturday night. It's absolutely shambolic. You cannot tell me that that is an effort anywhere near good enough. It's not. It is despicable and disgusting. And so after that, we get the news that Anthony McDonald Woody is retiring and stepping away from football. And obviously... His mental health is the most important thing. So if he feels like it's um, the right time in his life to step away from football, then all power to him. And I wish him all the best. And I thank him for the great memories as an Essendon supporter. Countless great memories as an Essendon supporter. But with that being said, it was extremely disheartening to, to see that one of my favorite players in Essendon's history will never be putting on our jumper again. But I thought for a second that his retirement would at least allow us to, you know, to, 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 to stand up for something, to stand up for Tipper, to do it for Walla. And yet we put out the same disheartening effort, played good for the first five minutes of the game and played average for the rest of it. That's what we are. We are at best an average team. And it's gotten to the point where losing by five goals against a team that at the start of the year, I thought we were around on the ladder, is a respectable loss. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with respectable losses. Anyways, 
I can't rant too much about Essendon. I don't want to sound like a broken record. I've talked about them so many times this year. But what else can I talk about as an Essendon supporter? It's been a season from hell. It has been a season from hell. Now, on to the second section. As for the uh, topics of discussion that we're going to be talking about. Now, Bia, for this first one... um, you have a personal, you have personal experience with this, with uh, booking tickets online. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, Casper. And before I, I give you that one, sp- speaking of Waller, I-, I want one opinion from you. Mm. Do you reckon he really wanted to retire? I don't personally. Watching that video, he didn't want to go. I wonder if there's something a bit more going on down at uh, Windy Hill that uh, we're not being led on about because the players sort of don't look interested uh, in what's going on either. So, I don't know. Maybe there's something that's, um, that's going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. Wow. Big call. So, you reckon, you reckon he might have been pushed out? Well, I'm not saying whether he was pushed, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Something just doesn't seem right. The retirement uh, speech that he gave didn't, didn't seem like a bloke who wanted to give it away. It sort of looks like a bloke who wanted to keep playing that wasn't quite going to be in the future plans of the club, which is um, which is hard because that's a bloke who's given a lot of time and effort to that club when that yeah. club was, uh, how fair to say, scraping on its hands and knees to even get a side onto the park week in and week out. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Thoughts? Oh, that is a, that is a very interesting call. I, I reckon I reckon you might be right, but I uh, look. I don't know. I think I think. I think it's an extremely difficult decision for him to make. Um, for me, it Correct. sounded like someone who there's still part of him that doubts stepping away from football. Um, and I think whenever you are faced with a big life decision to either move on or to stay what you do, uh, keep doing what you're doing and you really love what you're doing um, and you say it out loud for the first time, there's, there's, there's a part of you that thinks, what am I doing? Why am I? Why am I saying this? What What am I stepping away from? I'm stepping away from something I've I've been involved in for so long, and I've I've put my heart and soul into, and I and I've loved it. Um, so I don't know. I think I think it's more so. Perhaps he's a little bit conflicted still about stepping away. I don't know if that's due to any external pressures. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be totally surprised if he came back. Truth be told, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, very interesting indeed. Very interesting indeed. Maybe um maybe someone should look into that. Uh, now, your membership story. Uh, talking yeah. before we uh, just before we went on, uh, just before we started recording, you've had um you've had extreme frustration with uh, booking tickets for matches this year. And I think you're right, Cass. I think frustration is exactly the word I'm chasing for this. It has been an extremely frustrating process trying to get tickets this season. So as a, as a club member and without, you know, sounding like a um, sort of real upper echelon sort of member, I, I've sit in level two at Marvel. Um, it must be nice. Very and, Very uh, <laughs> Life must be nice at the top, Casper. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, look, I, I pay me 550 600 bucks a year for my membership. Well, there's actually three memberships in that, including, um, you know, I've got to pay for my mum and my nan to come down for, for a couple of games a year as well. I'm yep. going to get three games a year. So we go down for three games each. Yeah, well, they can have three games with me. Um, but, you know, look, to, to book, 
you know, guest pass and that. I used to be able to book a guest pass, so, you know, you can come sit with me, cash, but the footy and, you know, yeah. like, it, you know, it cost 40 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it is, to come sit next to me. But, you know, you, you're happy to pay that and, you know, you sit with your mates and that. But now, now, I don't know whether it's just the Saints or whether it's, you know, most clubs included, but to get a guest ticket to sit next to me, you can't just be like, you know, enter me member code, you know, whatever it is, buddy, one, two, three, four, done, unlocks me, unlocks me ticket. And then you go, oh, add, you know, one. And yeah, and then it comes up with, oh, yeah, it's only 50 bucks. Uh, now I've got to ring the football club itself. So I'm now, you know, chewing time and someone else's time when they could be doing something more productive to get another code so that they can sit next to me so that way I can unlock it on um, on the, the websites because uh, well, I won't plug their names because uh, they don't sponsor your show, Casp. So, um, <laughs> but I, I think they might end in uh, master and tech. I think you can work out what, uh, what goes in front of it. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a frustrating process. And I think members and you know, right around the association are starting to feel the pressure. And, and I think, Casper, that's starting to translate into, um, into other issues and one I'd, I'd mm. love to bring up shortly. Mm. Well, before we get into, um, into those other issues, it's interesting. Now, look, I, I've only been to one game this year um, for various reasons, most of which because Essendon suck. Um, but... Uh, the game that I went to was a Collingwood home game. Uh, that's Anzac Day. Yeah. So I had a Collingwood friend of mine, um, you know, he bought the tickets. So I'm not sure what the process was like in terms of buying tickets. I'm not sure what it's like for Essendon um, supporters this year, but it sounds like an extremely frustrating process. Um, and it's interesting that, that St Kilda would have, and I don't know if it's a league-wide thing, but if it is just a St Kilda thing, it would be interesting that, why they have such a complicated process for a club that is traditionally speaking one of the uh, least supported clubs in Victoria, um, you know that 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 struggle to match in in a normal year the membership and the attendance of Essendon, Richmond, Collingwood, Carlton. So why would they make it so difficult for the members that have signed up? And for the people that, and for the fans that they do have that want to go and support them to go and support them, you would think that they would make it as easy as possible to try and get as many people going to their games as possible. No, I don't know. I don't know. It's very, very, very uh, bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a tough one. Mm. Yeah, no, indeed. Um, there is a tiny bit of uh, internet problems on both of our ends, dear listeners. Please do bear with us. We do live in Australia where the internet absolutely sucks. Um, now, on to that other topic that you hinted at before, BR, and that is crowd numbers and attendance issues. I saw a figure during the week that um, if you take out 2021 and 2020, I think the AFL is on track for their lowest uh, attendance record, um, uh, lowest attendance number for a season in in like two decades, which is crazy to think about considering that 2019, you had on average like 36 to 40,000 people. Now you're getting on average about 30,000 people. It's a big drop. And I want to ask you, Bia, why do you think people aren't showing up to the games anymore like before? Yeah, the um, I suppose you know, for me, Casper, the, the biggest issue that I, I see for why crowd numbers is declining. And yeah, you know, we can we can look at the back end of COVID and we, we can blame that. 
as, as much as we want. But I think the AFL needs to really have a good look at what's going on at the stadiums and, and ticket pricing themselves. So they're starting to charge, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, anywhere between 20 to, to 25 bucks just for general admission to go sit up in the nosebleeds of either the G or Marvel. Uh, and, you know, so you can start to go, righto, so a family of four to get in, you're now starting to look anywhere around that sort of, you know, $75 to $90 mark, depending on where you want to sit. Now, if you want to sit down on level one, somewhere, you know, like on the wing in, in a really good spot, you're looking at sort of around $150 plus just to get a family in. Then you've got to go try and buy a meat pie. Goodness me, where are we? They're anywhere between 5 and $8, depending on where you go. A mid-strength beer at the football is $10 per cup. That is outrageous anywhere in the world. If you're charging $10 a cup, you should be put behind bars. Put that in perspective, right? $25 a month will get you a subscription to a sports streaming service. I think it starts with K and ends in AO. And um, you, know, you can sit there on your own couch, a slab of beer at the par- uh, you know, your local bottle, though, about anywhere between 50 to 80 bucks, depending on what you're drinking, maybe a little bit more if you're drinking. Mate, are you still there? Yep. Did you get any of what I had? Uh, it got after the um after the mid strength beer bit, and then it cut out. So you got me mid strength beer jab. Yep. Sweet. Oh, God. Okay. Well, I've changed. I've been... have, have 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 that as your, have that as your caption for the show. Anyone who's charging <laughs> ten dollars for a mid strength beer should be jailed. <laughs> Look, um. Oh, definitely going to be. It's going to be the main. That's going to be the name, the title of this episode. If you charge ten dollars for a misdrank beer, go to jail. Yeah, it should be jail. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Look, mate. It's it's it is ridiculously expensive, right? Compared to what it was before. Uh, I remember this American YouTuber came to to Australia, came to Melbourne um for a holiday and he went to the footy um and he did a a a vlog about it and he talked about in the vlog how cheap it was to go to the football you know and back then i think well back well this is compared to america where you know some stadiums it'll cost you a hundred dollars just to park so by comparison by comparison it is quite cheap (laughs) going to the footy here in australia but with that being said it has gotten more expensive and it's gotten more expensive at a time where everything else in people's lives has gotten more expensive, groceries have gotten more expensive, petrol has gotten more expensive. They're also dealing with, you know, the regular cost of electricity getting more expensive, uh, uh, water getting more expensive. Everything's getting more expensive. And so I think now you're seeing people having to make financial decisions between... Um, between uh, saying being able to feed their family and going to the footy, or you know being, yeah, able, yeah. being able to pay their, their their electricity bill or going to the football, and well, well you're right, you're right, Cass, because it's it's a well for me it's a what's that two hundred and seventy no it'd be more than that it'd be around a three hundred kilometer plus round trip journey for me down to Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that's half a tank of fuel for me, so that's already sixty dollars or sixty three dollars in fuel not including the tolls to get down before I pay me $10 to park in the docklands there. Yeah, and sort of it goes back to the other point I had um, before my internet dropped out was for 25 bucks a month, you can get a subscription to uh, something that starts with K and might end in AO. And um, you can you know, 
buy your pies in the shop or get your pizza from the, you know, the pub down the road or wherever, uh, you know, in 50 to 80 bucks, maybe a bit more if you're drinking rum for a slab of you know, alcohol, and you can do it from home. Well, that's where we're moving to. That's yeah. personally, that's where we're moving to. I'd love to see the comparison, Casper, between you know, the, the decreasing number of crowds and the increased number of viewership going to live or you know, to, to the streaming services of those providers. I'd love to see the comparison. It would be interesting. It would be uh, look. I, I think. I think. Um, I think. Some. I think it would be a good point actually. Because um, and and you have to remember as well. People have had two years of of watching football from home and the comforts that that has, right? And it's yeah. really difficult to break a habit when you've had it for two years. But maybe people don't want to break it. I mean, after all, there is still a pandemic going around. And so I think it's a combination of things. Insane costs of going to a game, buying a ticket, getting food, uh, wait times at grounds like the MCG, you know, waiting, you know, missing half a quarter just because you want a meat pie or you want to go to the bathroom. Um, uh, And people traveling from country Victoria or, you know, regional Victoria, regional WA, much easier just to watch the game on streaming services or on tv instead of making the 300 kilometer round trip to melbourne to sydney to perth wherever not to mention the fact that there's still a major health crisis going around so i don't know i thought at the start of the year that people would come back by now but um no i think i think this is now a persistent persistent problem that the afl has to look at um yeah, and I'll throw you another one to add to that, Cass. Before we before we move on, yes. Thursday night football will not get you country families because by the time yeah you've got to you know, get the kids out of school, right on three twenty or three thirty, then you've got to you know cruise down to Melbourne. Um, you know, so you're not getting to Melbourne before. I oh, say so you, you know, shepherd and free head straight down the football. You're going to get a two hour drive. So, That'd be nice. That gets you there to you know, six o'clock by the time you stop in it. There you go, all ready to go. And then the game's not finishing at you know, 10, four past 10. Then you got, so you know, little Johnny's got to go to school the next day. Not going to happen. Not no. going to happen. And Sunday, 440 games aren't going to happen either for kids wanting to go to the footy. I don't know. Another, another food for thought. So what do you uh, propose for the Thursday game can go from Thursday night and kind of sit into Saturday afternoon quite nicely? Have two games on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, correct. Saturday evening and then two games on Saturday night. You have the one game on Friday. But where does that Sunday uh, 4.40 game go? Yeah, you know, I'd still bring it back to a to a one ten game as well. Um, yeah, look, and I understand why it's played at four twenty past three. That you know, sort of, and then just the, it's generally the, the West Coast or Freo game that gets sort of back ended, and no one, you know, I would say no one cares about. But you know, the very few Victorians care about. 
uh, you know, gets gets back ended uh, into that four forty spot, which is obviously a um, you know it's it's a it's a two twenty spot over in third. So I, I do I get that I absolutely get that when you start looking at your time slots, you know, compared to from over here in over in the west but yeah if you've got you know two melbourne teams like you know for example north melbourne and st kilda on you know sunday afternoon if they play at 4 40 you know it, it's just an absolute headache you can bring that game back because it, it's not going to be anyway i nearly named it nearly give them a free podcast um yeah. you know it's played, played on pay tv anyway played at 10 past one other than other than maximizing their views on sponsorship that's all it is that's what the game revolves around money and sponsorship, but it's going to get to a point if they push too much sponsorship and worried about the views on TV, etc., they're going to lose people in the stands, and that's where it comes back to. They've got to make that decision: do they want the people in the stands, or do they want people, you know, in their lounge room? Yep. No, look, you have an excellent point there. I will say the AFL had a decision to make recently about whether or not fans. Uh, whether or not they were going to listen to fans attending the game or whether or not they were going to try and focus more on TV viewership. And they listened to the fans. This year, the grand final will be at 2.30 p.m. at the MCG, back at its traditional home ground, at its traditional time slot. Bia, what do you reckon of this? Was it the right decision? Oh, 250% the correct decision, Casper. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a huge traditionalist of... Uh, of, you know, sort of 10 past two, half past two, grand final day football, uh, because I, I find, you know, now that we have the public holiday on the Friday, which I, I personally think is a waste of time, um, because, you know, you get that big build-up. Like, I'm a huge build-up person um, for grand final day. That's that's church for me. Um, you know, I'm super keen for, for the footy grand final. Love me footy religiously, you know, live and breathe it. And I... I get bored Saturday morning, you know, you go through, you know, you watch all the breakfast and all the pre-game stuff, you know, all the other stuff like North Melbourne breakfast, all that sort of, all that sort of jazz. And then, yeah, you, you know, you start to get around 12 o'clock coverage sort of starts to roll around. And, you know, by, by 10 past two or you know, half past two, oh, oh, I'm super keen and I'm already bored. You know, I've been sitting around all morning, you know, just waiting for that one time to happen. Like, you know, you start moving into a, you know, 4.40 or 5.20 or whatever slot they were looking at. Yeah, I'm going to be half cut, Casper, by the time they find the first pill. Oh, I don't know about everyone else, but the time, you know, all my mates come around and we start having a couple of quiet froppies at, you know, midday, well, the coverage starts to kick off. If we have to wait till 5.30 or 7.20 for a night game, oh, it's uh. going to be a long night where I live and I apologise to my neighbours in advance for the coming years. But I, I think, yeah, 2.30... Afternoon time slot, MCG, perfect. It's what the fans want. Yeah, gives you enough time, you know, to get down, go to the game, you know, celebrate, enjoy it, go to a pub afterwards, have a beer, have a meal, and still make it back before midnight. Yeah. No, look, I, I, I fully agree with you, and I, I would not be surprised if uh, there were millions of Australians who are in the exact same position as you, BR, if the grand final was at 4.30 or, or 7.20. Um but I'm, I'm super excited for it. It's grand final day. It's not grand final night. It's not grand final eve. 
it's grand final day and it has been that way for over a hundred years and i get it with covid you know shift the shift to grand final around maybe experiment with the time slots a bit i get that right but the time for experimenting with the grand final time slot is over and i think another reason which we didn't touch upon that fans might be leaving you know not attending games as much is because of all these changes all these changes you know the umpire descent rule the stand rule, everything that's been changed the last few years in terms of the rules could be driving a lot of people away. And if the grand final was at night this year or in the evening, that probably would have uh, pushed them away even further. So the 320, uh, sorry, not 320, the 230 time slot is perfect because finally they're listening to fans. Now, yeah, that's um, spot on. Unfortunately, there have been some fans this year that have, um, let's just say, behaved terribly at the football. There was the incident after Anzac Day, and now dream time at the G. Somebody uh, got physically attacked after the game. Um, and look, there's there's been crowd problems before in the past. This is not a 2022 problem in isolation. But I want to ask you, because it seems to me like it's happening more frequently this year than it has in years gone by. I want to ask you, Bia, what are your thoughts? Why are, or what could be some of the reasons why people are getting into fights at the football, excuse me, fights at the football? And do you think it's becoming more of an issue? Yeah, yes, I think, you know, crowd behaviour sort of being, you know, it's always been a bit of a, it's a, it's a minor headache. Uh, you know, I suppose when you look at the majority of people who go, you know, most people are very well behaved, but some people just think when they get into those large crowds, cash, they can, they can do what they want and they're unstoppable. Okay, like they feel like you know, they've got that, you know, and it's not the right word I want to use, but they feel like they have that right you know, to yell out what they want, when they want. Like, you know, because they're around their mates, they feel a lot bigger than what they really are. And I find that disgusting. And and, and the other one, I think, for me too, Cash adds into it a little bit, is the irresponsible service of alcohol. Um, like, and those drinking as well beyond their, their capabilities uh, and getting absolutely plastered. And, you know, they're making, you know, irresponsible decisions. Like, you know, everyone's allowed to have an opinion. You know, whether I agree with your opinion that Essendon are a great football club and whether you agree that the Saints are, uh, an okay football club or whatever, you know, we're going to have our differences. That's what makes us all different. And I think that, you know, there's there's a level of respect that needs to be sort of maintained that people aren't maintaining this season and, and too many people are just losing their cool for absolutely no reason. Well, you look at that bloke on Saturday night, he's been absolutely probably with a didgeridoo for what? Yeah. Absolutely no reason. But, and, you know, these people are making, you know, split-second decisions that are not only changing that, that person's life, but being that, that split-second decision that you go, why? Why have you done that? That's very silly and irresponsible. Um, yeah, yeah, I find it disappointing, Cash. But it's, it's been on the rise for a little bit. And I think alcohol and people with alcohol problems have, have got a fair bit to do with it. Um, you know, not knowing the limits or they shouldn't be drinking anyway. Um, you know, just just tiggy touch and stuff like that, and people become a lot more 
uh, irrational and irresponsible uh, around that. And I think the availability of um, the substance which are illegal uh, is starting to become more easily available. Um, and I think that's causing a, a, an issue as well. Well, it's interesting, BR, what you talk about um, alcohol and the responsible um, drinking of alcohol because alcoholics and people who have an alcohol problem, they are, I think, and not to generalise here, but I'm going to generalise slightly, they are unlikely to, if they have their mind set on drinking at the football and getting absolutely wasted at the footy, no matter what the consequences are, they're going to do it. So the question Great. then becomes, is it the responsibility of the patrons who, who are drinking to moderate themselves? Is it a responsibility of the stadium to, if they notice someone who is already really, really, really drunk at the football, don't hand them more drinks? Is it the responsibility um, of, uh, of, the, of the vendors selling drinks? Uh, is it the responsibility? Maybe, maybe, right? And this is not going to be a popular idea, but it's just an idea. Maybe you just don't have beer at the footy. Or maybe yeah. you have a limit. Maybe you have a limit. Maybe you have a system where you have like a little card, right? And you can only buy a certain amount of beer. So you can only buy like two beers or three beers during a game. Yeah, so I don't want having a beer and I think that the biggest issue is it's actually, and mainly I wouldn't say solely because, because, you know, realistically it's up to the individual to understand you know, their own behavior. And when you're acting like a bit of a, um, bit of a pineapple, when you're acting like a pineapple, you should know, but uh, look, there's a lot of responsibility on those serving alcohol. If they think you're actually intoxicated legally, they're not actually meant to serve you, but that continues to happen because they want the profits to drive up. But that, that's, that's, not not an excusable offence either. Um, yeah, we've got issues with with people just getting absolutely intoxicated and, and making really silly decisions. And I think another problem too, Casp, is you've got those antisocial behaviour text message lines around the grounds. And I think a lot of people are too scared to actually message it for the fear of repercussion from those sitting around them. Mm -hmm. You know, someone lashing out trying to work out who's actually called security on them. Um, yeah, look, it's it's disappointing because it's it's not just a footy issue. Um, it's happening at other codes as well, and um, yeah, it's it's yeah concerning. It, it is a bit concerning because these types of incidents are a fraction on the rise in um, in 2022. Yep, agreed with that. There was the um, there was the uh, incident in Brisbane at the um, NRL game uh, on the Anzac uh, on the Anzac weekend where somebody yelled out during the um, during the minute silence and um, deservedly or undeservedly got 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 hit. Um, by those around him um, yeah it's 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 disheartening and I can see why you know instances like that or instances like you know the the the, the teams that that bash that guy outside the MCG I could totally see why that would if you're a family or if you have kids why you would be afraid to 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 take them to the game to to, to take them to the to the footy I could totally Correct. see I could totally see that, you know, turning you away. Um, but you're right. It's not an AFL-specific problem. And maybe, maybe as Australians, we need to kind of look at our relationship with alcohol, um, potentially, 
um, yeah, I don't know. Feels like feels like footy is bringing up a lot of um, a lot of big culture issues in Australia that um, that you know perhaps we need to take a look at as a nation. Um, our relationship with race and with um, and our relationship with women um, and our relationship with alcohol. Um, yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be tricky, and I don't think it's a problem that's going to be solved anytime soon, unfortunately. Ah, lots of heavy, heavy topics, BR. But let's get into the third and final section. If our respective internets can hold up just a little bit longer, we've got round 11, and it starts off on a monster Friday night clash at the SCG. The Swans, who are struggling, up against the Tigers, who are flying. Now, BR, can the Swans pull off the upset, or will the Tiger train keep on a chewing? Did you hear anything of what I just said? I think I've got a little bit. Uh, Swans taking on the Tigers on Friday night. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a really big game, Casper, in, in terms of what happens to set up uh, the ladder after round 11. So, obviously, yeah, there's a couple of teams sort of moving around Sydney at the moment that would be pretty keen to uh, leapfrog them and, and start clearing clearing a couple of spots. And the Tigers, obviously, yeah. Now, I don't think they're dead and buried like everyone's talking about. I don't think, you know, well, the, the dynasty itself may be over, and, you know, uh, but I'm not ruling them out of, you know, still making a, a push in September. I think they've got that experience to, to get it done. And Sydney are obviously a young side that, um, you know, just sort of learned that, you know, they've probably pushed hard for a couple of weeks too hard in a row and, um, you know, sort of been brought back by grace. But in saying that, though, Carlton had one really good quarter and Sydney were really horrendous. Um, like last week, and uh, in in that second quarter, uh, you know, it's so obviously the Blues got away. But when you look at the rest of the game, Carlton only kicked like another another three or four goals after half time. So I thought Sydney's second half was actually very very respectable, and um, they they nearly pinched that. They very nearly pinched that one against Carlton, and I think that is a concern for Carlton moving forward. And I think it's a great sign for Sydney that they were able to sit there and you know grit it out and, and have a crack. But yeah, I don't know. Look, it's it's gonna be a big one, Casper. And I think it's uh, I think it's the Swans at home for me, only by eight points. Oh, thrill at DSCG. I'm going the same. I'm tipping the Swans by goal. Um, look, I agree. I think for the most part, the Swans have um have rarely been smashed this year, and I think it's it's a testament to how strong their defense has been. Even though that second quarter against Carlton, I think, was the highest scoring quarter that the Swans have conceded in like two decades that quarter aside they've been a very strong defensive team this year the Swans no matter where they are um, whether at the SCG or elsewhere um, the Tigers are flying high they're on a winning streak but the thing about winning streaks is that they come to an end sooner or later and I do think that'll come to an end just the Swans Mangrook uh, the Mangrook event they always have um, the Friday night game in the Indigenous round, they have it again this year, and they almost always stand up for that. I think they're going to win. It's going to be a great game. On to a game that should be more predictable. It's Brisbane versus GWS at the Gabba Saturday afternoon. Mark McVeigh, great start to his uh, head coaching career at the Giants. Easy win against the West Coast Eagles. Brisbane, much tougher opponent. Had a bad loss against the Hawks. And I think they'll be really, 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 if you pardon the pun, 
roaring to go. Uh, I think the Lions are going to win. They're at home. They don't lose at home. Brisbane by six goals, and that feels a bit charitable. It could be an annihilation. It could be anywhere from six goals to 15 goals, truthfully. Um, if the Giants win this, it will be the biggest upset, this, uh, upset of the 2020 so far. What about UBR? Surely Brisbane. Oh, I don't know whether it's the biggest upset. I reckon maybe uh, West Coast uh, doing Collingwood uh, early on in the season. I thought that was a pretty big one. Um, I don't think a huge amount of people picked it. But now you're right, Mark McVay, obviously, caretaker coach. That's another one down for the season. I think it's only West Coast that have uh, have missed that mark uh, when you know, coaches have been replaced, like senior coaches have been replaced with obviously health and safety protocols. Mark McVay obviously stepped up because uh, Leon Cameron stepped out. Uh, but, you know, the caretaker coaches, what a record they've got this season. Wow, yeah. we. But, um, yeah, look, look for me, Casper, uh, I think you're right. Look, at GWS, they're okay. But I think their, their okay football, their best football is still average. And I think that's a long way from Brisbane. Brisbane, yeah, look, they dropped the game on, on Sunday. Uh, but I don't think it was um, a game that was hugely unexpected to be dropped in terms of Hawthorne are, Hawthorne are okay like you know and they, they're going to take some scalps this season and they've proven that already um, but you know Hawthorne play really well in Tassie and that's no that's no secret that's no lie um, you know that's that's stating stating the bleat and obvious they, they play you know, they play Tassie really well and, and I think uh, I think that game against Brisbane showed you know, showed everyone what footy's about Lord, yeah. how good was the scoreline, Casper? You know, two teams over 100 points. Oh. Name me the last time that was done, please. Oh, not, years ago. not for a long time. So oh, I'm uh, very excited. But, yeah, Brisbane for me, uh, and I'll back them in by 56 points. Yep, fair call. I reckon just off the top of my head, uh, and I might be wrong, but I reckon the last time that that happened was um, 2019 round three. Essendon beat Melbourne 130 to 112 in the end. Um, but yes, been that long. Uh, it's beautiful to see. Beautiful to see. Scoring is up this year, I think, on average compared to years gone by, which is exciting stuff. Now, on to uh, Geelong versus Adelaide. I think the Cats by four goals. Pure and simple. Adelaide, I think, are struggling a little bit. Their scoring prowess has dropped off by quite a lot. Geelong... Um, they do very well against teams that they should absolutely uh, crush. I don't think they'll crush the Crows. I do remember that upset at the Adelaide cause last year um, in round yeah. one. So I think Geelong, but they'll be more cautious this time. I'll be shocked if the Crows were able to jump Geelong again. Um, yeah, Cats by four goals. Yeah, I'm the same with you, Casper. Geelong are a side that's very experienced. And, and look, that, that loss to the Saints, I don't think was... Um, was a, a, a big shock either, but it was one they, they definitely let, like, let slip away from them. And uh, yeah, look, the Crows are Crows are ticking along all right. The other they stuck stuck fat with the process last week for three quarters, and um, yeah, they put up a really good fight, you know, with the Saints, and and they probably deserved a bit more, but you know, sort of they just fell away in the fourth quarter, and that, and that's just signed to the young side too, Casper. So look, the, the Cats all. Um, yeah, Cats and Crows love a good battle. Crows will put it up in, but yeah, I, I think Geelong by um, by about 33 points. Yep, fair, fair enough, mate. Now on to Nam versus Fremantle. 
at DMCG at the Demons and the Dockers a couple of weeks ago. This was looking like a potential top two battle. All of a sudden, the Dockers have uh, fallen off a little bit, and the Ds are just, they're mowing along very nicely. Um, I think that they are on track for their longest ever winning streak. I think they've won 17, uh, 17 in a row. I think going back to round 21 last year, um, it's been a pretty amazing effort from the Demons. But will Fremantle cause an upset here? BR, who's going to win? Now, now, sorry, before we get on to that, I think you have a controversial opinion about the, uh, about the Demons. Is that correct? We might have lost BR. We have lost BR. Oh, BR's back. Sorry, mate. I, I don't know. It, my internet decided to um, to throw me for some reason. Sorry, mate. That's all right. Like a phoenix, he has risen from the ashes. BR, mate. Uh, Melbourne, uh, excuse me, Narn Football Club versus Fremantle. Yeah, what a game this is going to be. And and you're right though. It was lined up a couple of weeks ago to be a um, to be a top two battle. And, and Freo have obviously had a had a couple of off weeks. Uh, and I still think they can uh, they can bring it back uh, this weekend. And this is a real real test for the Fremantle Football Club to um, to really show where they're at. Like they're either going to come out this weekend and, and, and you know I'm not saying they're going to beat Melbourne, uh, but yeah, you know, there's an opportunity for them to go right. Oh, let's have a crack at Melbourne. They've got nothing to lose, uh, you know, because you know I suppose all the experts are such that they'll have uh, this penciled in for a Freo loss anyway. So what's What's the shame in going out there, walking out and having a crack on, on Saturday and going, right, let's have a shot at the title. Let's see how far away our best footy is from the best in the competition at the moment. So, look, I think three are going to give this a crack. And, and look, you know, Melbourne last week got pushed by North to three quarters and then Melbourne come out and do what Melbourne do best. But I think Melbourne's average football is still a little bit better than, um, you know, sort of most, most bottom eight sides, um, you know, best football. So you look, I think it's Melbourne for me, but I'm only going to back it in by about 13 points. Well, I'm going for the purple upset. That's right. I think purple will reign supreme at the MCG. I'm tipping the Dockers by 10 points. I thought they were going to beat the Demons before their recent slump, and now I'm definitely thinking they're going to do it. Why? Because exactly of what you just said, BR, the fact that Fremantle have nothing to lose because of their poor last couple of games, all the expectations will be on Melbourne. And so, yeah, I do think they're primed for an upset win here, just like Essendon against Hawthorne a couple of weeks ago, right? Nobody expected us to win because we'd be, we would be we were going a lot, um, a lot poorer than Hawthorne. And we played like it. We played like we had nothing to lose because we had nothing to lose. And I think that is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing for a team, especially a young team like Fremantle to have. And... I always say it's about streaks. Streaks come to an end sooner or later. Melbourne lost an upset loss this time last year, and I think it's going to happen again. Dockers by 10 points. It was a big call. I like it, Cass. I like it. I am also behind in the uh, father-son tipping competition with my dad by about five tips, so I need to make up grand. Uh, On to West Coast versus the Western Bulldogs at Optus Stadium. Uh, this I think is going to be fairly straightforward. Think dogs by 58 points. Don't think I really have to go into any details about it. Last year, the dogs uh, lost, sorry, beat the Eagles in Perth. They kicked 13 goals, 20, and won by 55 points. 
So it could have been and should have been by a lot more. And uh, that was really the start of when everything started to fall apart for the Eagles. And they are exponentially worse West Coast this year than they were at that point. I do think the Dogs will win by about 10 goals. It could be a lot worse. So you could be looking at another 100-point-plus loss. Yeah, it's going to be going to be a big one, isn't it, Cass? But it's, uh, it's another big game, well, I suppose, when you start looking at the at the ladder because, uh, you know, percentages are starting to, to really become a factor here. And, and the Dogs, they need to start making up some ground. Um, you know, look, at the percentage is really healthy at 110%, but... Yeah, you know, everyone above them's at that 120 plus, which is which is really you know rare to see. Um, yeah, you know, Caspin in the AFL at round 11, like it's it's yeah really strange. You don't see many teams, you know, with with you know Richmond in eighth with a percentage of 120. percent That's that's crazy to think about. But no, this is going to be a, an absolute um, annihilation. That the dogs must win this one to to really keep in touch with the eight or or drop this. If they drop this, Casper, I'm happy to say write them off. Um, yeah, which is which is big because you know they, they should not lose this and and they won't. Um, you know the, the dogs by how much? Yeah, sixty seven points for me. Yep. Fair so, point. Sorry, mate. sorry, West Coast. Fair point, mate. Um, now on to Gold Coast versus Hawthorne uh, in Darwin at TIO Stadium. Uh, VR, can the Hawks back up an impressive win in Tassie with an impressive win in Darwin, or will the Suns? Uh, well, continue their recent good streak of performances. I'm actually going to back the Suns in here, Casper. Yep. Believe it or not, I'm uh, I'm jumping on the Suns bandwagon here, uh, only because it is in Darwin. Um, I think yeah, when you look at Hawthorne, they're going from one extreme to the other here. They're right. going from the the, the cold blast of, of Tasmania. Sorry, Tassie fans. Uh, it, Tassie's way too cold for me. I'm coming down there to visit in summer and summer only. And, um, yeah, they're going from there straight up to Darwin. And Darwin's about 33 degrees every day. Well, it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's wet season or dry season. It's 33 degrees every day. Um, you know, I think, you know, just the experience of Gold Coast up there in the warmer conditions is going to help them much better off than... Uh, than it is for the Hawks. So it's it's uh, the Gold Coast for me, and I've rated their form recently. Even though the Hawks had a good win, I still rate Gold Coast uh, better off in this one. And I'm going to go Gold Coast by, uh, by four points. Oh, a nail-biter on Saturday night football. Look, I don't think it'll be quite that close. I'm tipping the Suns by about 14 points. Similar reasons to you. Um, Suns better, better uh, climatise to those conditions. Yet again, yet again, 2020. They played against a Melbourne-based team up there in Darwin and, and lost quite comfortably. But I think the Suns are more mature than, um, than this time uh, two years ago. They were supposed to play the Hawks in, in Darwin last year, and that got moved to Sydney. And um, they, they crushed the Hawks in Sydney. They absolutely crushed them. Um, I trust the Suns more because the Hawks, they'll, they'll pull a, a, a wonderful upset um, out of nowhere every few weeks, but on the whole, they struggle to put four consistent fo- uh, quarters of football together. Hawthorne, I trust Gold Coast to do that more. I'm tipping the Suns by 14 points. Wouldn't be surprised if it's more than that. Now, on hey, to good call on to Sunday, your Saints taking on the worst team in the competition or the second worst team in the competition, depending on your opinion. Now, this time last year, they also played in round 11. And my, oh, my, how a year has changed quite a lot for the Saints. 
this time last year, you guys were coming off four plus uh, four 60 point plus losses in the first 10 games and really, really struggling, really needing that win while North Melbourne were terrible. Now you guys are on the verge of the top two while the Kangaroos are still pretty terrible. That is why I'm tipping you guys to win by five goals. Only five. That's an insight, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I think, yeah, the Saints are in red-hot form at the moment. You've only got to look at those couple of quarters against Geelong, the quarter against Adelaide, and the consistent football we've been playing recently. And, uh, yeah, look, I think it's exciting to watch the Saints brand of footy at the moment. It's, it's moving quick, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of key players playing their role. You know, we're finally starting to see some you know, some of that you know, consistent magic from Bradley Hill and how good's Paddy Ryder kicking goals. Cal Wilkie, week in, week out. Jack Sinclair, wow-wee, has he taken a step up this season? There's so many you know, team players. Tim Membry's played in great season so far. Uh, yeah, you, you've just got to look at all these players doing their role, and that's what makes football clubs. It's not about uh, the individuals. Um, you know, like Max King, yeah, he kicked six. Yeah, we can harp on about how good Max King is week in and week out. He's amazing. But it's all those players playing around him as well, playing their roles. Uh, and I think that's that's what my favourite part this season is watching the Saints is everyone playing their roles. And, and the thing, Casper, the concerning thing for me is North Melbourne and their lack of scoring. You have a look. You actually go back and have a look. You know, their, their scores this season, 58, 74, 48, 75, 71, 61, 64, 24, 24. Uh, 46 and 53. They're not scoring, Cass. And if they're not scoring, they're not going to win games of footy. So, uh, yeah, look, I've got a few North mates. So I'm really sorry to say this, but I think we're going to belt them by about, uh, yeah, 10 goals plus. And in fact, Casper, I'll, I'll back it in. I'll go uh, 68 points. Wow. Wow. North Melbourne fans might as well find something else to do on Sunday afternoon. Uh, don't, Colin, don't, would... don't even bother going to Marvel. <laughs> Now, a much better game across town at the MCG. I'm calling it the most important game between these two teams since the 80s. It's Collingwood versus Carlton at the MCG. A monster clash. Two traditional rivals flying high. Collingwood, best performance of the season last year. Uh, Carlton, well, they're what? I think they've only lost three games this year, the Blues. Uh, no, no, not even. They've lost only two games this year, Carlton. Insane. What a ladder. Incredible ladder. The fact that a team has only lost two games this year to this point, and yet they're third on the ladder with a percentage of only about 114%, which is, I think, the worst inside the top eight. But nevertheless, they're finding ways to win the Blues. MVD. Pies, Blues, traditional rivals. Who gets the chocolates? MVD or BR? Either way. I, oh, I don't care, sorry. What, you, I don't, I don't look, care, been, don't care what you call me, Casper. Just don't call me like for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week. It's been a long day. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I apologise. <laughs> don't worry about it, man. I like stirring people up. But no, you're right. Uh, what, a, what a cracking game this is going to be. Sunday afternoon, prime time footy. Channel 7, check it out. This is going to be absolutely magnificent. Uh, Collingwood playing some good footy at the moment. Carlton playing some even better footy. And, and for me, it's Carlton that get the chocolates here. And uh, I, I think Collingwood are going to step it up. Here. And I wouldn't be surprised, Casper, if we see in somewhere in the range of 75,000 at, at the MCG on Sunday afternoon here. Uh, I think really this awesome. is massive. If you're a... Um, 
Collingwood burglar, not naming that Collingwood a name was a do burglar is, but uh, I think Ligon Street might be pretty empty Sunday afternoon around <laughs> three o'clock to six o'clock. I'd get down there and have a bit of a look around. So not that I'm condoning burglaries, but if I was going to be anywhere on Sunday afternoon, Ligon Street would be the place to be. Carlton are flying. They've ripped the lid off already. Most fans say they haven't, but the lid is well and truly off on Ligon Street. They're playing finals and they're going to win on Sunday by 19 points for me. Just want to stress any coppers listening to this, the Through the Banner podcast does not condone any crimes. Um, <laughs> be a responsible member of society, please. Um, but yeah, I'm tipping, Correct. I'm tipping the Blues by 22 points just because even though they only play two quarters of consistent football, that two quarters is the best footy I've ever seen any team play. I reckon on the same level of like Hawthorne during their dynasty, uh, Brisbane during their dynasty, Geelong during their Richmond recently, this, if they can extrapolate that over the course of a full game, they would be unstoppable. Now, I think it's too powerful for a young team like Collingwood to handle. I predict the lead to get out possibly to nine goals or so. And then Carlton did their normal thing of heading home early and Collingwood kicking a few goals late to make it slightly nerve-wracking for Carlton supporters. But I'm tipping Carlton by 22 points. Now, on to a game that is not going to be as interesting. Uh, I think it's going to be fairly simple to talk about this one. It's Port Adelaide and Essendon at the Adelaide Oval. Last three times these two teams have played each other. Marvel Stadium 2019, Port by 58 points from memory. Uh, 2020, shortened quarters. Adelaide Oval, we lost by 50 points, which, you know, short in quarters, that's more like a 70-point loss. And then 2021 round two, we lost by 56. Now, I've only tipped us to lose by 27 points, but that's more so because I don't, I really hope that we lose by under 50 points. We could lose by 100 points in this game. I would not be surprised. Yeah, surely, surely you're tipping port in this one, surely. Oh, you're right, Casper. Last three times you played them, 54 points, 50 points, and 59 points. Uh, so you haven't beaten them since the 24th, Friday the 24th of August 2018. You won by 22 points. And you actually won by 22 points uh, earlier in the season that year as well. So the irony, uh, unbelievable in that. But, yeah, the way Essendon are playing at the moment, I'm not even giving too much airtime, Casper. You, you know where I'm going with this. It's, uh, yeah. it's Port Adelaide by how much. Port Adelaide have won their last month of football. Ken Inkley's job, if St Kilda had beaten, uh, and I'm pretty confident on this, if St Kilda had beaten, and not only beaten them just, but by belting them up in Cairns, I don't think Ken Hinkley would actually have a job at this point. Uh, yeah. But he's won his last month of football, really stuck it up the fans, stuck it up the media and going, yeah, we are actually thereabouts. And, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I think they're, they're priming themselves here. They're, they're quite little contenders, personally, just quietly to make the eights. And, uh, yeah, I think Port Adelaide for me by... Yeah, I'm going to go, yeah, 46 points. Now, I have with me a uh, little Essendon key ring teddy bear. Teddy bear dressed up in the uh, in the colours. It's got the uh, Essendon sash there, Essendon socks. This teddy bear would probably tackle harder than every single player out there. You know, after Scott Morrison took out that kid by accident on the campaign trail, <laughs> you, you, know, you know my dad said to me? You know my dad said to me? He said we could use him. And you're absolutely right. We could use Scott Morrison in uh, in the coalface at the moment. I hope that we put a phone call into him after the election result came through. Um, game I'm most looking forward to this weekend, be our Deeds v. Dockers. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. Should be straightforward. 
Um, biggest potential blowout. I'm calling the dogs over the Eagles. I think it's going to be an annihilation. Well, you mate? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a couple of games like that, isn't it? Um, yeah, I still think for me that the biggest blowout of the weekend will actually be the um, the Saints North game. I think yeah, you know, if St Kilda are serious about actually doing something this season, that's that's the one we have to really come out and stamp our authority on and um, really make a go of it. And yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think the um, the D's Dockers game is one I'm I'm going to be watching uh, with clear intent on you know how things are going to shape for the rest of the season to see whether um, Melbourne are the full blown real deal. Um, or if um, yeah, we're going to be looking at um, you know Fremantle being being serious contenders to challenge Melbourne here. Uh, if Melbourne's going to drop a game, it might be this week. Otherwise, we're still a couple of weeks away from seeing Melbourne potentially drop one. Mate, thank you for being on this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to having you in future. Hopefully, the internet will not stab us in the back and pull our pants down. Um, but look, we, we, we made it to the end. We got there. Uh, world is still spinning and we managed to get a podcast episode done. I love your work, mate. Thank you for having me on here. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to coming back uh, in the future. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Uh, join me next week and a co-host to review this second week of the Sir Douglas Nichols Indigenous Round and preview what will be the first of the buy rounds. Until then, see you later.